Now, I'm going to tell you what it is, okay? It's a dumbass white movie about some dumbass white girls getting their white asses cut the fuck up, okay? Yeah, I suppose Sandra Bullock is Miss Ethnicity, right? Well, no, all I'm saying is that the horror genre is historical for excluding African-American elements. Well, look how you get your PhD in black cinema, sister soldier. podcast it's your host Sharday Sellers and I'm here with a host um, that I haven't met yet in person we're just zooming it and I'm super excited to have him on because he's asked for the last few months to come on our show and we're fine it's finally time um Andre Barnwell hi Andre hey how are you I'm good um so where are you what are you doing in the world and um tell everyone what you're about because um I think we connected like months ago if i yes yes (laughs) well first i want to thank you uh, for allowing me to to uh be on your podcast um this afro horror uh, this is kind of like down my lane it's just so exciting and that's why you could have pushed me off for another six months i was still going to do it so i'm telling you that now so that way i got on early but hey i was ready whenever you were going to say to do this i i was there so this is i'm so excited um, where am I? Well, I'm also in Los Angeles County, so I'm uh, up on my little hill. I kind of live near the Rose Bowl, so I'm up on my little hill and, and just kind of staying out of the way. Um, I've been in uh, the Pasadena area for uh, like 20 years now. It was kind of scary. But I uh, transitioned out here from the East Coast. I'm originally from uh, Pennsylvania, a small town called Yaden, Pennsylvania. Actually. Um, what we're talking about all these things that are happening now is actually the hometown of the founder of Flag Day, which is kind of ironic. Oh, wow. uh, uh, and when I was on the East Coast, I graduated from Howard and uh, stayed on the East Coast until I decided I wanted to go West. Uh, while I was there, I actually worked for Black Entertainment Television uh, for about 10 years before I made my move out to the West Coast. Um, so I, my background, I started in television, specifically in cable. Uh, and back in those days, um, I'm gonna age myself now, but back in those days, that's when kind of broadcast was la- laughing at cable and we could get a- get away with a lot of stuff. So it kind of, it's kind of deja vu because it seems like the streaming, cable people are kind of critiquing the streaming people and we forgot that we used to be that way before. So yeah. that was sort of, oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, so yeah, so I came out w- with that in mind. So I made the same transition uh, I was a, a producer on uh, BT's comedy shows, and um, before I left BT, I was actually fortunate enough to have my own sketch comedy show. So it was kind of, um, I kind of had a, one of those little moments, because when I was kind of following Jordan Peele's approach into horror, he he did the same thing. He went from, you know, sketch comedy into horror, and I was like... <gasps> Oh my God, that's the same vibe that I got. It's like a full, I don't know what it is about sketch comedy and horror, but it was like, he just kind of went into my soul and grabbed the same thing I was saying. I was like, you know what? I am definitely on the right track. So I just kind of made my transition. I, you know, I still do a couple things into on the television side, but I, you know, my passion has always been horror I, ever since I was a kid. And uh, in my little hometown, Yaden, Pennsylvania, we actually had our own movie theater. I didn't know at the time how important these things were until you're an adult. 
Uh, but so, you know, I could just go up the street and, and see these movies. I just thought that was kind of normal for everybody. So it's sort of like I'm kind of going full circle. And then I just kind of liked uh, uh, horror movies when my family did. And I, I kind of like the, the ones that are not so deep, that are kind of fun where you can actually go to sleep at night. So I, I kind of lean to like the monsters and the silly stuff as opposed to like the exorcist which kind of freaks me out because you can actually open up something and kind of read about that so i was like Ugh, not, not too good on that so yeah that's why i keep huh? my door closed. that's why i keep my door closed at night so the demons don't get in <laughs> exactly and a matter of fact i had a cousin who lived there's a scene in exorcist where the where the priest falls down those steps yeah my cousin lived around the block from that, that scene and wondered why none of her cousins came to visit her i'm like are you <laughs> kidding me yeah, <laughs> it was over. in georgetown <laughs> um that that brings me to a question then so you said sure. you in love with horror at a young age well what was the first horror movie either that you saw or that like made you a fan okay well the the first horror movie that that i knew i was kind of intrigued was the hand it was an old horror movie it was called the hand and it 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 came back to you know this astronaut got blown up in space and his hand came back to the to the planet and his hand walked around and that was it just the hand and it was grabbing people and killing people you know it was kind of crazy uh, but I actually enjoyed that one but the one that actually emotionally made me uh, made a connection with me was the Swamp Thing because just out of nowhere there was this black kid in the Swamp Thing and I was like that's me. It was, and it was so, it, you know, it, it worked. It just was like, there's a black kid in a horror movie. And it just was like, I'm like, I don't know who these people are who make these movies or write these movies or who's the director. But soon as I saw that black kid in the Swamp Thing, I was like, wow, this, it just, it floored me. And I've always had that in the back of my mind that, you know, when I write something, it, it'll be written with characters, um, that are that just are are people. He was just like a kid in a horror movie. It wasn't like you know there, there was no rhyme and reason for him. You know, it didn't feel like they just dropped him in there just to you know make some kind of quota. He just was he was just part of that weekend of horror, and it just always stuck in my mind. And I think because he kind of I was young and he was like a I think he was like eight or nine. He was he was like a a preteen. You know, when you see yourself like specifically. Um, it just it does something. And that was, that was a trigger. I didn't know what I was doing with it at that point, but it hit home. You know how something just hits your spirit and it's just oh, yeah. in there. I remember, and it's not, a, I mean, it's technically sci-fi, so it can, may fall under horror in some people's opinions. I remember the first time I okay. went to Jurassic Park, The Lost World, and, and um, Malcolm's uh, daughter was black. And I was wow, like, wow, okay. <laughs> this is amazing. And she was a gymnast. Exactly. Like, oh gosh, this is so cool. And they didn't exactly anything, you know, they're just like, oh, that's my daughter. They didn't say I adopted her or her mother is black. They just said that's my daughter. And I was like, this is so exactly cool. awesome. And that has to go to the fact too, a lot of people a little trivia here. Steven Spielberg has a black daughter and he wanted mm -hmm. her okay. to be represented um in the movie. So he cast a black actress and that's just such an important conversation when it comes to representation. If you know it, if you surround, if you're surrounded by it, then you're just more um, willing to address it. So I love that. Exactly. Right. Um, okay. So Andre, today we are talking about Midsommar. And 
a little tidbit for our listeners. I actually allow our guests to choose the episodes and you picked this one and I want to know why. (laughs) Well, I I loved your idea when, when I saw it and then you went right in on the black intellectual. I was like, you just hit a home run. It was like, exactly. Because for, you know, when you're in horror, you know, Black people tend to get in a certain kind of boxes in it, you know, um, and one of the boxes is, you know, we never survive to the end. So mm-hmm. e- even when I was writing horror, I'm like, one of my Black characters is going to be on that road at the end, looking back where the creature used to be. So I was like, no, one of us got to survive. And, and so when you, when you show that Black intellectual was with the concept, I knew exactly what, uh, what you meant. And, I, and when I saw that movie, I didn't, I didn't think of that term when I saw the movie, but once I saw the movie and then you, you labeled that term, I knew exactly what you were saying. I was like, no, that's the one. Because for me, um, it, it's just like Spielberg with, with his daughter. I don't, I don't have a problem with, with, with some of the boxes that people get put in, but it has to be done right. You know what I mean? So you, you gotta go beyond just you know, the quota. And so to me, black intellectual can be done right. And then it can be done where it needs to be a challenge to do it better. So that's why when I saw that one, because I'm big on having us go, especially in the horror genre, is that black characters at some point should just be natural to any, any genre in horror, whether it's, you know, slasher movies, monster movies. And so the more, and, and I, you know, I, I commend Ari for at least doing that because at least puts us in different kinds of environments so that at one point later on that it would be so natural that it doesn't really matter which one, you know? It's like, I've always cringed when I was younger. It's like, okay. And, and for me too, my challenge is I want to create an original monster. I don't want to, I don't want to do like Dracula and then have to be forced to do Blackula. Exactly. You know, I just want to be like, I just want to do a creature. <laughs> and then it just happened to come out of my head as opposed to like always following certain things. So I, I'm, I'm, I was so glad when I saw your list and I was like, wow, that was open. I was like, yes, please. Cause I love helping, you know what I mean? And, and, and especially when people are trying to get it right and, and they're going down the right path to, to me, part of our job is to help them get it right. So I like that he took the chance and kind of put someone in an environment that was like totally like, and you know, I'm sure we'll get into it in a minute, but totally like where, where we probably wouldn't be. Oh, yes. Uh, you know what I mean? And so that's why I was so, I was so thankful that that slot was open. I'm so glad that you were uh, able me to uh, have that conversation about it. And, the, and Ari Astro, the director of Midsommar, is, is notoriously like um, really reserved. So I haven't found any um, interviews or anything about why he decided to make Josh Black. Um, but it, it, I, I am curious to know if that was just like an actual thought about moment or if it's just like he was the best one for the role. I would like, right, right. Because when a lot of times in these horror films and people don't realize it's, it, yes, we, black people, we are monolithic. There's so many different versions of us and I want to see all of them exist, but it does change the story when you apply a black person to it. We had a guest on Edwin Hodges from the... Mm-hmm franchise and he auditioned for like the murderer role which was a white role now 
Um, okay. He got the the homeless guy role, and, and you know it changes everything in the story. It's, now it's a commentary on race and class and what it is the purge to exist with race and class. Right. Um, we don't get a lot of background with Josh and his blackness in Midsummer, which I think sucks. Um, but obviously Ari Aster is not black, so maybe he doesn't. He didn't understand how to subtly highlight that but we're gonna talk about they're gonna talk about it so okay <laughs> let's start with all of our you know we always start at the top um with all of our credits so Midsommar came out in 2019 which seems like years away but it was just last year <laughs> exactly crazy <laughs> um written and directed by Ari Aster obviously from Hereditary mm -hmm. um stars Florence Pugh Jack Renard Vilmar Blogman, blah, blah. Sorry, he's supposed to be LA. Um, William Jackson Harper is Josh, um, and Will Poulter is Mark. Um, as for our crew, we've got cinematography by, I'm going to ruin everyone's name, so I, I deeply apologize. Paul Polojetsky. Uh, I'm so sorry, Paul. Um, he's known also for hereditary. Um, and Tragedy Girls, so he's been in the horror space before and, and worked with the director. Um, it's edited by Lucian Johnson, and you'll recognize Lucian from movies such as Hereditary, uh, Noah, and um, The Ballard of Bustard Scrooge. So it looks like, Ooh. yeah, good editing there. Um, <laughs> what I love about horror directors in particular is that once they find a good crew, they just keep them well, i guess i right. love hate things so once they find a good crew they keep them but also it typically doesn't include a lot of black people so <laughs> right right, right. Hmm, maybe you should open up a little bit there mm. um okay so i remember tell me let's talk about it real quick before we dive into the synopsis for midsummer sure. um i remember of course seeing hereditarian theaters and then hearing about the follow-up and it was coming and I don't know what I was doing. I was just so busy, but I actually didn't get to see the original release of Midsommar in theaters. I got to see the director's cut in theaters because it was out for a few weeks and then the studio decided they wanted to release the director's cut. And not to mention I was 15 minutes late to the movie. Why? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I missed the opening scene and apparently I'd seen a version with the director's cut, which wasn't the original version. So my opinion on the movie is skewed. I've seen it now since then with the opening scene, but I have yet to see the version without the director's cut. I've only seen like the director's cut since then. But anyway, I saw in the theater, sold out crowd, even for the mm -hmm. director's cut weeks later after release. Um, and my first impression was what the hell am I watching? <laughs> not okay. at all what I thought it was going to be but in a good way like what is going right. on definitely a slow burn but I knew that with Hereditary like I already knew that was going to happen Okay. Um, and then I just realized how much I love Florence Pugh and I was like I really really love her uh, mm -hmm. what was your first impression was the first time you, you got to see the movie yeah I, uh, my, my impression was, was similar to yours but I only I was a little more comfortable with it being slow because I, I've, over the last couple of years, have watched a lot of uh, Asian movies, mm. um, Korean and Chinese movies, and they tend to, they have a lot of space in them. You know what I mean? They, they tend to be these, like in America, we tend to, like empty spaces, we tend to want to fill it with something. 
Yeah. Uh, and I noticed like uh, it, foreign films, but especially the Asian films, they tend to let, let them breathe. Uh, and so it, if I was comfortable, with, it was almost like the flying daggers or, you know, it, it just had that, okay, it's going to take a moment. But I like that. And I think that what Ari did was, you know, to me, it's like, I want to go to a movie theater and I have preconceived notions, but I want you to challenge me. You know what I mean? I want to be able to go in and be like, oh, this is taking too long. And then all of a sudden, pow, there it is. As opposed to cutting that piece out, leave it in. It, it almost gives you an anticipation because we're, so, in America especially, we're so used to just getting what we want yeah. as opposed to sometimes getting what we need. And to me, what we need is to go to a theater and have the experience again. It should be, you, you know, it's just like... That's like dating someone. If you know everything about them before you date them, is it, is it as exciting? I mean, you know, so the, I like that, the event kind of thing. And I like that th there really wasn't, you saw Hereditary and then this, you knew it was totally different. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So, so I gave a little bit of a lean on him saying, you know what, I'll, I'll give him that window. I, I, you know, I, I'm a, a writer director as well too. So, you know, I, I'm, I, I have a little bit of a bias for them because like they'll, they tend to want to challenge things. And I'm like, I'm going to give them this room. I'm going to give them this room to breathe. And you know what? Even if it still turns out terrible, it's still a good 20 bucks to me because it took me somewhere that I didn't know before. And it opened me up, especially because he used, you know, he shot it in the day. Just that. Because even mine is like, I was like, he's going to shoot a whole, a whole horror movie during daylight. Ooh, that, and then I'm thinking like, uh-oh, Oh, you're not supposed to do that. You got to have a little nighttime. I was like, well, wait a minute. Okay, it's a little different. Yeah. But that was intriguing enough for me to say, you know, he's going he's gonna to take some chances. And I'm willing to give him, especially in this day of everything being all the same. It was, I, that's what got me excited. Because I like it to be a, bit, a little bit off. And, you know, I wanted him to win. So I wanted to see it because it, was, it definitely didn't feel Hollywood formulaic. No, you know? it didn't. And that's why we can always count on Ari to give us, I guess now. Exactly. Hereditary, you know, is something when you have a hit as your first movie, it's like, was it a fluke? Um, and then right. it's somewhere where you just, he elevated everything, the cinematography, the story, the characters, and you're like, okay, this kid really knows what he's doing. And if we can count on Ari Aster for anything, it's giving us original horror. It's never going to exactly. repeat. It's never. It's going to be something we haven't seen before, and he's going to push us um, in our comfortability. And uh, and this was and this was definitely doing that. This was also pre-COVID. So when you say like forgiveness and strapping in for like an adventure, this was when the movie theaters like I was at the AMC as a recliner, and you just felt comfortable. Right. <laughs> We're good. We're going to be strapped exactly. in for two hours, but I'm good. Like the seats go back got my coca-cola oh god i miss the theater <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> got <Gotcha> your nachos <laughs> yeah and i forgot to mention in my little breakdown okay so um it was produced by oh it, oh you know can i can i just interrupt okay. real quick and just say this about you too oh, yeah. um and and even even with you thinking that you're mispronouncing names i have i have yet to be on an interview where where the host went further than the writer and director and the actor. So I applaud you for that because you're giving, you're giving power to some of these other duly noted and, and duly credited talent that's a part of a movie. So I, I'm, I'm very supportive 
even if you feel like you're hacking up a name, the, the mere fact that you're acknowledging their presence, I think that's powerful. So I just wanted to add that. Well, thank, I mean, uh, thank you. I think you get it too as a ride director and I'm a writer. Um, being in this industry, we know movies aren't just writers and actors and directors. Right. There's so many people that are involved and they're so important to the actual success of the film. Um, so we always like to highlight those people. I'm really trying to get better at the pronunciations, but honestly, my name is Chardé and people can't get that right. So, <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> the rest of our, the crew, because I forgot, I left out some people. The music was did uh, done by Bobby uh, Kerlick. Um, it was produced by Square Peg and B Real Real Films. Films. Well, the English. Okay. Um, it was distributed by A24. Obviously, they're yeah. very close with Ari. Um, Oh, this is interesting. It was released on July 3rd last year, and it is now July 5th when we're recording this. So happy one year anniversary, man. Wow, right. Exactly. I planned that. Um, it has a runtime of 148 <laughs> minutes. This is kind of cool. I love doing the box office. It had a budget of $9 million, which is actually slightly more than I thought it, it was. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the movie like, where did that nine million go? Um, I right. think it's going to building the actual sets probably, and, right. and it grossed forty-seven point nine million. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Ari Aster has submitted himself, cemented himself as our, um, you know, a reputable, um, our new Steve. I don't want to say our new Stephen King, but he's he's doing things that I haven't seen done since Stephen in such a long time. Exactly. Um, so I'm super excited. Just in the term of inventiveness, inventiveness and originality. And same thing with Jordan Peele. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of Get Out. Um, I enjoyed Us. Um, but there's something really unique about Ari and his directing and, and his storytelling that I look forward to seeing his career unfold. Transparency. I had some friends that went to school with Ari and they, oh, okay. they didn't have some favorable comments, but um, I feel like, you know, maybe he's grown since then. I hope so. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and he kind of gives me that for me personally, he just kind of, he kind of gives me, he's like the old school, which I think is really important for you know our genre he, he just kind of reminds me of the west craven kind of yeah. you know you, you you want that that and and that's same with jordan peele it's, it's like we're, we're kind of going back to you know like the movie the hand there was no book on the hand you know so they just did it it was a horror movie they did it it was quirky and you know 40 years later i remember it um so yeah i that's what i like about the genre is because you know, there's chances that can be taken. And because of, you know, the, the budget constraints of it, it's a little more free to do some things that, you know, the, you know, the Hollywood wouldn't, wouldn't let you do. Uh, exactly. And so- And take it from your auntie, um, Chardé and uncle Andre. <laughs> our writer director, um, uh, IP is king everywhere else except for horror. Like as long as you have a good scary story, you don't have to have a a-list actors like Florence Pugh. This movie came out before Little Women. Um, she right. was an Oscar-nominated actress when Little Women came out, and if you ask me, she should have been nominated for both. This should have been included in her her nomination reel because she's fantastic in this film. But if you have a good, solid horror, you don't need a lot of money. You don't like story comes first in horror. It always has. Exactly. It always will. 
So if you are starting your career out, I mean, take a little dabble in the dark side because it, you definitely get more chances to be original there. Like Exactly. Exactly. I, that's what I love about it. it, it it's like for me, my, uh, my monster is my star and it allows me to then take chances on other characters. You know, like, like I have a, you know, and like a lot of horror, I was just watching, I just rewatched Piranha today just to kind of get my brain back. You know, I was, I was stuck for a second. So I said, <laughs> and you know, the, the traditional sheriff, well, traditional sheriff was a white male. In yeah. my mind, I'm actually looking for a woman to do the sheriff. Why? Because when I look at the news now, I see all of these uh, chief of polices and they're women in these major cities. So I'm like, that's what I like about, you know, being able to take that and put it into your writing. And, it, and, it, and it's natural. It's like I was watching the woman, I think she's a chief of police of, of Seattle. It's a black woman who's chief of police of Seattle. Yeah. And I was like, what? I mean, I would, you know, I, I was like, wait a minute, that's a major city and she's doing her thing. And then when I got back to my script, I'm like, and I just went, literally went in my script and took out the gender. I just took it out. I was like, I'm looking for a sheriff now. I'm not looking for, you know, uh, a, a male. I, I'm looking for a sheriff. And I just thought of her. And I was like, that's the, that's the beauty of writing. And, you know, like we can control these characters. And if we just give ourselves a little bit room to, to, to for me, it's just observe what's around us. You know, we, we've got men and women doing great things in, the, in this country. Men and women taking sacrifices out on the front line. That should be reflective in our storytelling when we're using humans. Yeah, and, and, and Grimes says in her masterclass, she's like, if you, um, to do a practice about how you know if you have a really good character, since we're talking about mm -hmm. characters in a second, if you are able to switch genders and races seamlessly, uh, then you have a good character. You have someone who's layered. Right. Um, if you if you can't do that, if it changes their entire world, then it's just like, well, how how grounded is this character? Because, like you said, you just changed it to be a, a, a female sheriff. It's still a sheriff. She's still going to do her job, and that's what it should be. Exactly. Like she's nothing changed. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, are you ready to talk? And, about oh, go ahead. Oh no no! I, I, I was just saying, and they they'll give you a surprise because their POV, if you listen, is might be a little bit different. Might be you know, yeah. When yeah. your actor responds back to you, she's looking at it. She's adding another level of experience to something that I, that and and this is when I have to recognize as a male my limitations. Yeah. Because I, my POV, I'm not going to see that. And so, what better way? to add to your creative POV than to have people bring it with them and say, Andre, did you think of this? Because yes, I do these things, but I would have probably reacted a little different. And I'd have been like, you know what? Let's shoot that. Let's take that. Let's, let's take that into edit and let's see what that is. I mean, that's the, to me, the richness of diversity. Yeah. Uh, and if, if we just allow ourselves to be open for it. Yeah, exactly. It kind of reminds me of like, the mayor and jaws like could you imagine if it was a female mayor not only would she have to deal with this killer shark deal with the fourth of july but then the sexism that would come with being the female mayor like how exactly rich exactly. layered and maybe it would have brought some um empathy to that character because we all talk about the mayor and what an idiot he was like he's not he's kind of a similar character <laughs> exactly. 
He has exactly. nothing to do with his position. But if it was a woman and she's dealing with sexism or she's uh, a woman of color and dealing with sexism and racism and a shark and Fourth of July, like you could always <laughs> exactly <laughs> like imagine all the that that come with that. So right. let's get into it. We're talking with yes. And um, again, you can stop me at any time. I, I usually sure. like, we'll read a couple of sentences from the plot and then we can okay. discuss if something comes to mind. Okay. Psychology student Danny Ardor is traumatized after her sister Terry kills herself and their parents by filling their home with carbon myox- uh, myoxide. Let's mm-hmm. stop right there. See already one sentence in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I told you I missed this. I missed the scene. I missed the first teen minutes originally. And it wasn't until the movie got released on VOD that I watch it. And then I saw the scene and I was like, first of all, who sits at home and thinks of this stuff? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The way they, so Terry, the sister is in the garage with the doors closed she funnels this elaborate like hamster wheel system through the house in her parents bedroom and puts them a mask like or not a mask on them but a mask on her face and i'm just like yo ari are you all right (laughs) (laughs) right it it definitely feels like it's coming from either it, it feels like it's coming from some kind of article something something real that happened yeah because to me it's like that that to, to be that detailed with it, it just requires a human actually doing that. And then, you know, in him, him absorbing that, because that, cause I've, I've seen that before when people commit suicide like that, but all they do is they put, just put the hose right. in their exhaust and get in the car and turn it on and, you know, play the radio, then they die. So <laughs> that's about as detailed as I've ever seen it. So for him to take it to that level, I'm like, wow. It, it must be, you know, there must be maybe in another country, someone did this. It, it feels like it's, it's a news clipping, uh, you know, of a detective and telling like the real story of this murder and, so and how it happened. It's the most planned out suicide murder I've ever seen on screen. Like you can see Terry, like she had to go to the Home Depot to get the tubing. And, and nowadays if she was living during COVID, I mean, no way she would have got a mask like that. Right. right. That she found it at the Lowe's or whatever. And then she had to wait till the parents go to sleep and then like turn on the car and, and then draft the hose. I'm just like, this is, this is intricate girl. Like you, you had to go, go, huh? Exactly. Exactly. But then I think it also, it also leads to, remember his whole thing is about these really smart people. Yeah. Very analytical people, very, um, you know, precise people and i think that it felt like for to me that was in her family like they were very methodical people like her parents probably i mean to be like yale professors and then they have these two daughters so even in death high level of intelligence True. just a you know going wrong but and so for her to then be in a world of psychology majors yeah. Um, you know, there, there, there's a like an underpinning there, you know, a Midsommar too. I mean, there, there's a, he, he gave us some depth um, because that's, that's what I kind of picked up because it was a very, it was very, it was very mental. So even her sister was very mental and this is kind of a mental horror movie, you know, in, yeah. in a sense the, of the psychological part. And what I really like about Ari too um, is his commentary on family and like the collapse of 
the and how fragile the family ecosystem is. When I write, I I, I write um, thrillers and and uh, dramas, and oh, okay. I write from a place of family. So mm -hmm. what I love about Ari's stories, Hereditary and Midsummer, if you took out like the witches or you took out this like obviously coven in in um, where are they Switzerland? There's some oh, Sweden. Sweden. Um, mm -hmm. It would just be a story about a woman going through grief because of her family, like right. And not to mention, speaking of which, he he uses female characters very well. He's he's he is good at drawing up very complex, interesting female characters. My only critique that Ari is ever going to get from me, and he's only had two movies, so I'm going to give it one more, is if he doesn't okay. diversify these effing movies. Right. They don't get either a little more color in them. I'm gonna I'm gonna start having to understand, which is unfortunate because he writes white women very well, but. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think you, I think you, um, as, as, as he challenges himself possibly with different locations, um, that also challenges. And, and I think, you know what, 2020 is a reset. I think all talented people who are just not with their heads underground coming out of this, I think we see the world differently. And we, and we have so many different exposures now on, in front of us that, you know, the, 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 those white spaces are just not white anymore. You know, they're just, they're, and I think as talent, and like you said, uh, and I'll give him that window too <laughs> of doing that. But I think by him having the Josh character, to me, means he's open for it. Um, you know, it just, it just, it just now he just needs to kind of go in um, because. And, and look, I, I want to be fair because I, I know some listeners are screaming at the, mm -hmm. um, the podcast right now. So Ari did do a short film for his thesis while he was in film school called The Strange Things About the Johnsons. And it had an all black cast. It, right. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's online mm -hmm. um, if you want to watch it, but it has to do with like, a son molesting his father. Like, okay. yeah, not the father molesting the son, the son molesting his father. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very twisted film. It's very on brand right now that we know really who Ari is as an artist. So I will say he's right. done it before. Um, I want to see it now on the big screen. Uh, exactly. Do it again. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, your, your, your point is taken. I mean, you know, when we, we do pilots or we do, you know, thesis things, you know, they're, they're built for a different purpose. Is yeah. it now when you make your commercial ones? It's like that's when we need to step out. So yeah, yeah no, I, I, it's not a critique because that, I mean he has Josh in this one. So it's like once you open it up, and okay. and and especially like a person out of water kind of a thing, I, I think he I think he's it, it's in his head. You know what I mean? So just I I think it's just you know we, we just will anticipate the next one. He is rooting for you so much. We really love horror films and exactly. We really want him to work. Um, okay. Exactly. Yeah, we want him to work, right? Like, we do. Yes. Yes. Be involved. Yes. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. That's the whole thing. It's like, that's, that's why I think what we're doing is to, we're trying to support where maybe people get off the thing a little bit. And those are, that are on the thing, we, we you know, it's, it's like when you're, when you're raising children. I mean, you, you want to, you want to encourage good behavior. And you want to discourage bad behavior. Right. So this is encouraging good behavior. So I, I think it's a win-win. Win-win. You can only go up from here, Ari, but 
mess around if you want <laughs> cancel you real quick just kidding okay um the incident strains danny's relationship with her emotionally distant boyfriend anthropology student christian hughes she later learns that christian and his friends mark and josh have been invited to their mutual swedish friends pele to attend a midsummer celebration at pele's ancestral commune in harga which is in Halgusland, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> celebration, I know, the celebration occurs once every 90 years and Josh, also an anthropology student, wants to write his thesis on it. Whew, let's stop there. <laughs> <laughs> so we have our setup. Um, Danny is, is the surviving member of her family. Um, she's going, like, her family was murdered and by her sister and right. she is not in a healthy relationship uh, christian is an asshole uh, right. <laughs> that's the only way i can describe him from the top <laughs> to the bottom of this movie um he is an asshole he is not emotionally himself ready to deal with this and nor does he right. want to he really just wants to have a good time and live his life um right. he, he he doesn't really want to have to take care of a girlfriend who has to deal with anxiety and ptsd and, and depression and all these things Oh, poor Danny. Right. Um, and and then you can tell he's an asshole because the way he treats his friends eventually. But it's Christian, Mark, and Josh. Josh is their only black friend from what I can tell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and they're all in the same um, anthropology, I like studies class or psychology. They're all, they all do something about the human condition, right? right? And then they have Pele, who is their new Swedish friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wants to invite them to his commune, um, which that should have been the first red flag. I'm not understanding how Josh doesn't ask more questions as a black man. Like, I'm sorry, you grew up where? Like, in a cult? <laughs> like, right. commune doesn't mean cult always, but 90% of the time it does. <laughs> like, there's right, right. types of people that go to live on a commune, right? Right usually not black people <laughs> right well but you know if but but it it's realistic if josh was if josh played sports at his college right he would have probably came from a different environment meaning that there was more black people in in his world josh feels to me that he's prep school kid private school kid, you know, not really around a lot of his folks, where you, that would be the immediate red flag for us. You know, remember, <laughs> I hate to, remember yeah. in, in Get Out when, 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 it, when you know, when the, the guy's best friend was like, man, you don't need to be going over there, oh, right? Yeah, exactly. That, you know what I mean? Josh doesn't have that kind of a, he doesn't have that kind of, th those kind of people in him. So for him, I think he's looking at it just straight, like, hey, it's a commune. You know, I'm, I'm into understanding European culture. You know what I mean? I, I think he, he was very naive in that. But I think, but there is that kind of black guy, though. Okay, and I, I'll agree with you with that. I, I, I would <laughs> love to know more of um, Josh's background. Like, mother, father, was he adopted? Like, because my mother right. said, hey, mom, I'm going to... Swiss, um, Sweden to study a commune um, and I'll be gone. She'll be like, uh, no, you're not. And even if yeah. I am in college, she's like, okay, well, call me twice a day, three times a day. 
Um, and if I can't reach you, I'm coming. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> where, like it makes Danny's family's gone, right? It makes sense. No one's checking on her. Um, right. And, and Joss, from from all means, don't seem to be close to their family. They just seem to be ready to have a good time. But I'm like, I mean, Christian and Mark. But I'm like, right. Joss, do you not have a black grandma, a mama, a uh, a grand who's gonna be like, baby? Do you think you should be going to, to Sweden? <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, I think Josh is if if he if he has a backstory, um, he wouldn't tell that part of the. He wouldn't, he wouldn't introduce that to the family. Yeah. He would just say, hey, you know, the school sending me to Sweden is fully paid, be there a couple of months, da 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 da. He's not gonna, he's not gonna share the additional information because he's like, I'm a man, I'm grown, this is my thing, I'm out. You know what I mean? So he's not gonna share that. He'll just say, and the, and the things and why they won't push back is they're gonna hear. It's from it's through the college, is paying for his summer, he's getting a great experience, broadening his skills because one day he's Josh is gonna be a professor at, at you know Princeton or something. You know oh, what I mean? That so hurts my heart, Andre. See what you just yeah. said there. Josh was probably one of the few people in his family who were gonna go up and get a degree and make right. something and be a psychiatrist or a psychologist, anthropologist future just cut exactly he trusted the all white people <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. but, but that 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 is that is uh, you know that is a part of, of that that experience he's like when we send ours it's just like you know recently um you know they came back with you know there's a kid now who's he's going to go to you know he was a top basketball player in high school and now he's going to howard yeah i mean that's like you know he'd have been like no no you got to go to the big schools because that's how you get to the pros and, and he's like no i can get to the pros through howard yep. so it's that kind of a dance yep. th that's out there um and, and i think that that to me like if i'm if i'm josh because I, I went to the university of houston before i transferred to go to howard so okay. when i was in a little bit more of a white institution you know you you're gonna you, you you're gonna take advantage of you know if, the opportunities that the school gives you, even if it's, you know, it might feel like out of place. It's like, hey, Andre, I want you to go to Denmark. I'm like, hey, man, I need to jump on this because, you know, they might not might not have asked someone who looks like me to go. So I, I could I could see him. Yeah, that's a good. One. Where did I don't think they mentioned the college they go to. Where do you, like obviously it's a predominantly white institution though, right? I mean, just look at the demographic of their friends. Um, I don't, do you think if Josh had attended Howard, he'd be in this situation? <laughs> well, no, the movie wouldn't be made. <laughs> <laughs> you think Mark Gaster is giving a subtle um, code on the dangers of uh, PWIs? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there's just there's different kind of opportunities that present themselves, and so if if there was an expedition like this to um, at Howard to analyze different cultures, Howard will probably want to send him to, you know, the diaspora. So let's go to Brazil, you know, let's go to the Dominican, let's, you know, let, as opposed to going to that part of Europe, it wouldn't be a Howard push. Yeah, 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 I gotcha. Well, you know, so like the, the Ivy Leagues, that's a, where they went, I mean, Cornell, Princeton, you know, the, it, it feels like an Ivy League summer, you know, kind of situation where... Isn't that so interesting to think, like, 
I love this actually. Now that we're talking right. about it, like, oh, Sweden, lots of white people, communes, safe. Like, rather than going to, like you said, a Brazil, Portugal, Costa Rica, right. where it might be dangerous criminals. No, right. we're gonna go to the the sweet little Swedish town where nothing will go wrong. I exactly. Love I mean, who? I mean, who? When's the last time you heard of a Swedish gangster? Exactly. Never. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're the kindest nicest people on the planet yes, and so for, for and if you're not from there or you don't know anything about their backstory i mean you know we wouldn't even think cult the same way i mean like sweden and cults oh they're just dancing around a little thing with some flowers oh that's cool we're gonna have some milk hot chocolate okay you know what i mean you just never that's what i like about Eric. he put us in a he took us somewhere that we already have these preconceived notions that it's just nice land. Yeah. And he took us somewhere and then just let the carnage happen. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, what the hell? I wonder how Swedish people feel about, like, I remember what a big stink it was in Europe when Hostel came out because they were right. like, Right, oh. yeah. And I get it because Hostel is just torture porn. Like, right, 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 right. But um, what I love about, and we'll continue with the plot, but overall, sure. the people, the commune, like, it seems surfacely like it's not like they're intentionally doing this right they like they know it's bad it's just like a part of their history and their exactly culture. so it's not like malicious like what hostile where they know it's bad they know what they're doing is absolutely wrong this is just right. something so sweet about the commune that's just like no this is our tradition and everything's fine like, exactly this is what I, we do and i think that's where ari's genius comes in is because you know society is normalized it's just like if you go to a a, a place when there's cannibalism. And then from the outside, you're like, oh my God, it's cannibalism. Blah, 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 blah. But right. if you're in that world, and it's like, well, when you defeat your enemy, this is what you do, because that's our, that's our, our moral spectrum, then it's normal for us. Or, or if you go to- come to the yeah. United States and a black man gets pulled over and killed and other countries like, what the fuck? And we're over here like, well, that's just like a hazard. I'm just kidding. Exactly. He's like, what are you doing driving that day? Yeah, like, well, he shouldn't have been in the car. Right. Why did he have a BMW? <laughs> why did he even like leave the house? Like, why? Is exactly. It like exactly. <laughs> and, and I think that 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 was genius in his part because he took us on, and that's why I like as well. It's like when people take me somewhere that I haven't been before. Yeah. And then I land in this world, and then you kind of reset. Is is this to me? It's like that's why I think a lot of young people like you know, the, the online games and stuff, because you, yeah. you're, going, you're going into, it's like when Jumanji hit. You know, I didn't understand Jumanji until I actually saw it, but it's like, you're taking me somewhere different somewhere for like two hours, you know what I mean? And, and, and then now I have to actually pay attention because the rules might be different. And so I'm, I'm observing things. So that, I, I like that about taking, your, you know, your, your consumer, your, your viewer, and um, Ari is so sure, smart but, in the sense that, and again, if you're listening to this and you're trying to get into the field as a writer or director, containment, containment, containment is horror's number one rule, the best <laughs> Exactly. He takes us out of the city, puts us in this commune. We don't leave there again. It is contained. We're all there. Same exactly. thing Once we're back in the house with the family, that's it. We're in the house or we're at the school. <laughs> we're not, or at the party once and we're not going anywhere else. So Exactly. Really great containment. Even though we're outside, it's still very tight and small. 
and it makes us feel like we're literally in this world with exactly um okay so the celebration occurs only every uh once every 90 years what timing and josh um also an anthropology student wants to do his thesis on okay we've established that christian had hidden the trip from danny wanting to break up with her before leaving but invites her along after she finds out about it um so they're at the like bar table and and someone lets it slip i think it's mark uh about going to the trip and um, christian in jest says oh you can come if you want because they get into a small tiff about well you never told which is prime example men about how your communication skills is awful he doesn't ask (laughs) not ask in the sense that he needs permission but ask say like like we're in a committed relationship and I'm going to leave for three months is like, should we talk about this? That's what women are looking for. Like, is this something like, do we want to continue a relationship? You're going to be gone for three months. Um, And Christian neglects that. And this trip is happening and the tickets are bought and it really forces Danny hand. And at this point, Danny cannot be alone. She just cannot. Um, Or she probably would have killed herself like her sister. So right. she decides she's going to go on the trip. And the boys, you can see the look on all of the boys' faces. No one is happy about that, except for Pele. Pele's right. super stoked that Danny wants to come. Um, you can tell he kind of has a little crush on her. Right. Um, but Mark and Josh are kind of like, this is going to ruin our our plans. Like, because she's insufferable. Because she's grieving. She's grieving right. so much that, yeah, she takes the air out of the room. Sorry, but she lost her entire family in one night what right. do you want her to do assholes all exactly of them. um it, oh, go ahead oh i was saying this is the one piece of the the leap of faith that that's well not troubling it's not a it, it, this little piece right here I, I i just never i've never seen this pivot uh-huh. where you know uh, a, a majority male audience who's about to take a trip concedes to one male bringing his girlfriend i just oh, that, that that one is like the a little harder <laughs> but i guess that's why it's a it's a movie because it's like that one right there i'm like mm. oh, no, she can't come <laughs> yeah it, to me it, it would be more like and this just it, you know I, I still love the movie but to me it would be more like she makes it there on her own to to, to you know, it's like he 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 goes and then she she follows him, as opposed to this little pivot right here because there's just there's just too many people there's too too many extra males in it. <laughs> to let or, it. you know what I mean? It's like that uh, that that was a, like, but you know, it's a movie, so I'm like, okay. But I, and I don't know if that's a cultural thing. I don't know. Maybe um, in, in a broad in a broader community, they 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 kind of they cave to that. But I've just never seen that kind of cave between black men. Yeah, and one black man having his girlfriend come and the other black guys don't have their girlfriends coming. I just, I've never seen that dynamic gotcha, gotcha. play out where, where, where the one wins. I've just, I, you know, I've just never seen that. So, but again, that was intriguing because that made it different for me. I like kind of breaking sometimes the rule just to kind of see what that looks like. So yeah, that was cool. What's interesting is like no one wants to be like overtly the asshole. No one wants to be the asshole, even though they all all are. So right. I mean, they look at her and it's kind of like, are you gonna tell the girl who lost her whole family in a night and she's having panic attacks and anxiety that no, she can't come and we're gonna take the only source of 
connection she has left. Like, no one wants to be that big of the asshole, but they're not going to make her feel welcome either. They're not right. going to like encourage it. So she really gets like the cold shoulder from all the dudes except for Pele and from her boyfriend because she knows she's not wanted on that trip. She like right. women, we're aware when we're wanted. Like right. please know that we know. Um, she knows no one wants her on that trip. She doesn't want to go on the trip, but she can't be alone. It's something right. her grief that's bigger than the the politics at, at whether the boy the guy's friends are gonna like me or not. Like her grief overtakes everything. Right, right. So, I see what you're saying, though. Um, and and I'm, with, I, I'm with that. I mean, that, that's, why I, that's why I like this one, because it does kind of, there, there's another POV that you can kind of play that. Like, if a hundred times this goes wrong, this scenario, and then one time it goes right, this movie's about the time it goes right for the woman. And you know you know what I mean? It, so, if, if they had put their foot down and said, Danny, stay home, like, girl never would have been make flower queen or may queen and what would have happened to the boys they probably all would have died honestly who like would have been with the girl the the redhead which we'll get into i don't know but it, right. they weren't coming back so right. I, I don't know if whether to blame pele for like signing danny's death or not even danny's death warrant um but the boy's death warrant or to congratulate pele for being a part of Danny's growth and her strength, but I, I don't know yet. <laughs> right, right, right. But, 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 yeah. It, it, the, the, in the writing of this, he had to figure out a way. Just to me, it does. It, it really works when you, when you're literally getting a non-Swedish woman in this cult. Yes, yes, it's true. So, so there had to be a way for her to get there. He, he just chose this one, but she had to. Her or her type had to come from the United States to Sweden. Right. Fish out of water, yeah. be us, the audience, so we can understand the world through her. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay, the group flies to Sweden, and a, and real quick, they do a really cool transition scene um, where she goes into the, the airplane bathroom, and then all of a sudden, she's in Sweden, like in their bathroom, which is so dope. Um, and they arrive right. at the commune, commune, where they meet Simon and Connie. Simon is black too. I'm so sorry. He, he's definitely biracial, but Simon is black. I should have, I forgot about that. An English couple from London who were invited by Pele's communal brother, Ingmar. He offers the group right. psychedelic mushrooms and Danny has hallucinations of Terry while under the influence of drugs. So they right. do make it there. They meet this other British couple and it's like, okay, people are bringing their friends. I mean, have you ever done mushrooms, Andre? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> I'm just, I just don't know. Like, I'm like, Josh, are you doing mushrooms? Like, how, how, like, how black are are you? Are you, Josh? Like, well, I, and my brother's gonna kill me for this, but but my brother went to school in New Mexico, uh -huh. uh, and his his one of his roommates was uh, Native American. And he smoked peyote. Oh, the peyote, yeah. So, but my brother has like that Indiana Jones kind of, kind of um, mentality. So he'll try some. He'll try it. So I, I can see that, you know, because the, in the college life, I, 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 that makes it still makes sense for me. So um, gotcha. I, I can see right. Josh we're doing it. Abroad. We're having fun. What's a mushroom in Sweden gonna do? I get it. Exactly. We're not driving. That. Danny was a black woman, it'd be like, whose mushrooms are these? Like, why are y'all like, what the hell is this? Like, who, whose idea was this? Like, I don't know about all this. Like, maybe a little more resilience. Right. 
but um but that's why it works so beautifully because she's so in grief right now she doesn't even know she just wants to not feel exactly so. exactly exactly so that 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 made all sense and it, and it gives Ari an out to then expand you know um is it hallucinations is it you know he 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 changes the paradigm of you know are they actually are these things actually happening because they're in front of them or is it because i'm in this high state that you know these ghosts are coming so it gives him he just he introduced an, another platform to bring his characters in and out of and and what i like about this scene too it's, it's so small and that's what i love about the payoff so great but it's so small simon and connie along with ingmar they have a slight disagreement about like how connie and simon and ingmar are all friends so right. He, if you leave it to Ingmar, he goes, oh, you know, Connie and I kind of dated. And if and, and, and Connie goes, no, we didn't. We went on a date, which you could tell hurts his feelings. <laughs> and that sucks. Like, I get it. Like, ooh, she right. all the way out in front of all these people. Didn't know she had to do that. <laughs> um, didn't know if she really had to do that. It also makes me think maybe Ingmar, like, his toxic masculinity got the best of him and he's so butthurt from that one comment he decides well f simon and connie i'm about to add them to this kill pool right now like right, right. connie any of the grace that pele gives danny um about being you know involved in the commune so i really think he has i i really think it's a revenge story for him like i'm right. You guys, you didn't take me on my my offer. I'm an insult. You didn't want to sleep with me. You slept with a handsome, tall black man. So I'm going to take you to this commune and fuck you up. Like exactly, exactly. And that's the story I want to see. I want to write. Um. Okay. So, um, they take the mushrooms. Tensions rise after the group witnesses in uh, Tisupa, a tradition where which sees two commune elders killing themselves by leaping from a cliff onto a rock. Now, oh, I'm so glad we're here. <sighs> this is the moment Josh should have been out. Exactly. This is when you get that little TSA moment. You know, it's like your boy is like, yo, we, I'm out. It's like, what? Yo, I'm that What? I just saw two people jump off a click, cliff and y'all just let it <laughs> happen? I'm done y'all are crazy i'm out but he doesn't he really likes it he likes no he misses it doesn't he it, it this is where so no, this is where josh i'll go ahead no go ahead i was gonna say mark misses it josh sees it yeah yeah this is where you know the 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 anthropology side psychology kind of curiosity that it's just so you know it's like people want to see a death because they just want to see someone die you know what i mean right and it's almost like you want to you do it as an analysis like well i have to see a person die to be able to analyze what happens to their skin after you know 10 hours after death so it's almost this gruesome kind of like well i'm observing this culture they're killing themselves it's you know it's almost like you're a like a like a reporter covering a war and yep. then you don't you know you observe the death but you don't want to engage so it, to me that was like a that was brilliant because it forces forces us to think you know when they were evaluating this environment how much of an environment would you evaluate before you bail out right like 
Like if like now if I thought if Josh thought that he was going to be killed, like like after they jumped that that he they were going to push him, then to me that'd have been a different thing. But I think he still felt like he was a part of an observation group of people that are still just observing this thing happening in front of them. Crazy because even like even Simon, <laughs> Simon has a correct response. Simon, the black British dude, is like, nope, 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 we're out. We're so done. Honey, pack your bags, we're going home. Like he literally right. tells Connie, Connie, grab your shit, we're out. <laughs> like, um, and Josh as an American black man, I'm just like, yo, we know how this works. Like, you think they're just letting two of their own jump off a cliff? What will they do to you, sir? Like, I'm just I'm yeah, I just don't think John sees himself. Okay. Is it the as, weakness? Is it because of his ego of I'm so smart and no, no one can get anything past me that I know I, I can catch it off if I see something like, you know? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I, 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 I just see him, he, this is going to sound weird, but I, I don't see him seeing himself as black at this Ooh! point. No, that doesn't mean it at all. But I don't mean it in a, in a, I think, I, I don't mean it in a, in a, in a, to not to put him down, but I think uh, he's like a scientist. And he's, no, no, no. He, you bring and, up a good point. That's a good point. And, and I think he's, he's, he's observing these things. So he's like, like everybody else now. He's qualified. He's a part of the group. They're doing their thing. And this is what happens. And we're all observing this. And, because he doesn't have a relationship with him, I think it makes him even more self-contained where he only has to answer to himself. That's you know, Simon is answering to a relationship because he, he has to be like, what is, she, is she seeing the same thing I'm seeing? He's like, oh, hell no, we can't do death. But Josh is like, I'm on my own. It's just me. I rationalize this in my brain and I'm, I'm paying attention. Which is so interesting that you say that he's self-contained <laughs> and it's such a good point because I'm like, First of all, if this this midsummer only happens once every ninety years, what are the right. odds that this that Josh is the first black person to step foot in this commune? Exactly. So I'm just wondering. I'm just like, okay, Josh, you're the first black person to set foot in this commune, and you're unaware of it, right? Because you're you're a scientist. You're just like, and you're right. in America, so like, no big deal, whatever. Like, I, I he's probably used to being the only black guy anywhere. Exactly. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to exactly. be the only black guy in the restaurant or in the school or in the club. Right. It doesn't matter. Um, at the hockey game. At the hockey game. Right. Right. So you say, for me, when you say maybe he doesn't see himself black, I'm like, maybe he's so far into assimilation where he's just gotten so used to things, of being the only one, that you're right. Exactly. Now he's just a person. He's just an anthropologist just fitting in. Like, Exactly. Some blackness that's going to kick in and say, oh, man, this don't sound right. This, this, that, this don't feel right at all. Exactly. <laughs> and, he, and he's always been in safe spaces. So the, the, even his blackness as a trigger to help protect him, he's not in those environments where he needs that kind of DNA that says, you know what? This, is a, this club, this is all white people and me. I need to get out of here. Because he's always, did not, nothing has bad happened when he's in that environment. So that warning side of him he doesn't need it because he's it. always just the one he's always the one so there is no like you know uh ripple effect or or bystander effect that's gonna kick in survival click <laughs> exactly 
Now, if I was if I was his boy and I went with him, I'd be like, Josh, we gotta go, man. Exactly. Like, like what the hell? I know these are your folks. I know you're digging them. They're cool people. But this, we no, hey, 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 we got we got to we got to go. So so yeah, so I I like that. Uh, that that was the, that was why I was intrigued as well too because it, it did kind of. Uh, take the the his blackness away and and to me he was like just being that that pure you know it's it's like going to a zoo and you're looking through the glass and something bad is happening at the zoo and you're just like hey i'm a scientist and that's what lions and zebras do and i'm just here to observe it normally like i feel like simon and josh should have connected more as black men to go hey you're here cool let's look out for each other because if they had, maybe Josh would have taken the cue from Simon, like, all right, it's, this is not normal. Like, homies right. over here, we got to go. Like, right. tripping, we got to go. It's very telling that the people of color, except for Josh, because um, Connie is of um, Asian descent, it's very telling right. that they smell trouble and they get out. They're like, ah, we out, we go. <laughs> right. Over, they crazy, let's go. Exactly. Um, so let's see. Um, where are we? Sorry. Okay. When one of the elders survives the fall, the commune members mimic his walls of agony and crush his skull with with the mallet. While commune elder Siv attempts to calm Danny and her friends by explaining that this is normal. And every member does this when they reach 72 years old. The scene disturbs the group, but they decide to stay long enough for Josh to finish his thesis while Simon and Connie decide to leave. An elder tells Connie that Simon has already left without her. Confused and suspicious, Connie decides to leave on her own. Later, a woman's wail is heard in the distance. So uh, I don't know if I like the plot doing this, but they kind of blame it on Josh for making everyone stay. <laughs> They're like, oh, Josh wanted to finish his thesis, so everyone stayed. That's not what I got from <laughs> the movie at all. Right, right. But, but, it was, now, but here's now when blackness kicks back in. Right. To me. It's like it's like when, when they were looking for that book and what, what what the first thing that came out of Christian's mouth when they were looking for that book to, to blame was who? Was Josh. Josh. Yeah. Yeah. So that that brought me back into like, see, and when when it's all good, everybody's one. Yeah. But when it got heated, Christian was like, exactly. yo, you taking this fall. I was like, oh snap. Let's go back. This is, this is sure. the crux of our conversation because um, they don't hit on it in this description well. Let's go back and okay. let's start with, so Josh from the start has said he's doing his thesis on it. He tells Danny that in the living room before they even leave um, America. Um, and right. then Christian all of a sudden, after he sees a few of the dinners and the practices goes, oh, I'm going to do my thesis on it. Right. And Josh gets so mad, rightfully so. And right. his face when he's, Josh is explaining like, you know, I want to do this. And you know, you know, this is my subject. And and Christian can't understand the whiteness of him, cannot understand like what's the big deal? Like we can collaborate on it, like right. we're all allowed to choose our own thesis. <laughs> and the point is, Josh says you're diluting it then. Then it's not it's special and, and original. Then it's like this diluted thing. And and no, you come up with your own thesis. I love that conversation, but what Ari doesn't really do is address the black and white issue of it, literally the black and white issue of it, of right. white people stealing black people's ideas and then making right. us look crazy for being upset about it. Like, well, 
every, anyone could do this idea. Like, it's just an idea. Right. You don't own the idea. But you know what's going to happen. If they lived, if they all survived, they'd go back with the thesis. Christian would get more points or whatever for his thesis and would get published, and Josh would disappear into the fray. That's how it works. Exactly. And, and, and I, I love the fact that Ari, he set this up, but he didn't know how to close it because that's not his experience. Right. So that's when, when you write and direct, that's when you have to be very careful because all your POVs got to make sense because that moment right there was the perfect white privilege move. Yes. And then, and then we, have, we have examples of this. I mean, we just found out um, Jack Daniels, yep. the, the, the person who created Jack Daniels didn't create Jack Daniels. There was a, there was a brother there. Um, the, the same Edison with the electric, the light bulb, brother there. So there, there's, a, there's this history of one person actually doing something and then someone with their privilege just taking it over and say, well, e even in the music world, you, you have artists who sing, the Little Richard sings the songs, but then someone else gets credited for writing a song and yeah, they've never have, been on it. You have, so, uh, yeah, it, what, what's, um, so Chuck Berry doing everything Elvis did Oh, actually, Chuck Berry did it before Elvis, but Elvis does it, and all of a sudden, it's brand new, it's spanking new, it's hot, he gets all the money, he gets all the accolades, he gets the royalties, and you're like, wait, what? Exactly. Exactly. So this is such a great, um, when we talk about raising stakes and stories, a lot of baby writers right. will automatically go to, like, things like, oh, murder, or, or sexual assault, or, mm -hmm. or things like that. And then when I talk about raising stakes to the younger writers that I mentor, I go, it's just conflict. It doesn't have to be this external conflict that you can see that's tangible, but it has to be right. that affects the characters. And this is a great source of conflict. Josh takes his studies very, very seriously. And Christian has just been sliding by on his whiteness, you can tell. Right. For right. so long, and this conflict is wonderful for both of them as characters to in indicate like what kind of people they are and decisions they're going to make. So much so that it does force Josh to make some really bad decisions, like taking pictures of the sacred book when they specifically told him not to do it because he's so right. thirsty to be number one to get the better thesis out, and that's exactly his downfall. And and I think this is where he went from. And this is the ego that kicks in. He went from being an, an, an observer of events to actually causing an event. So by him taking pictures of that book actually now puts him into the test study that he's supposed to be observing. But yeah. why he's doing that is he got caught off guard because now for the first time, this, thing, this white privilege that he thought he was immune to, he yeah. wasn't. The, the, you know, it's, it's the day, you know, where it's like, you're black today. And he's oh, like, yeah. it hits you right okay, realize it. boom, right. And then it throws off, which, which it smartly does, it throws off what he should be doing and literally gets him into a bad place, which I thought, because I don't think you could solve this. I, I think the only way that, are, that you could solve this is how it's, how they did it because there's not enough time yeah, for him yeah. to then go into this blackness mode because even Simon wasn't, he wasn't hardcore enough and Simon's British. Right. So, it, you know yeah. what I mean? So there's a little, there's still something there. And right. so, yeah, I think it's great for our discussions because to me, this is those little layers 
that makes the movie good because you've got this, this here's where these depth places are happening, this texture that is happening, um, which is cool because it, it allows us to have a great discussion about it. And that brings us back to where we left off in our original point, which is, um, oh, which was it? It was Christian. Um, oh gosh, I had a brain. Fart. Oh, sell, selling Josh out. Yeah, selling Josh out. When, right. when when the book goes, when the book ends up going missing, and in the course of the <laughs> this is oh, this is so frustrating. It's not just Christian selling Josh out. Very clearly, the elders know what happened to Josh. They know they killed him, and they know they right. took the book. So they're setting up the black dude from top to bottom through the whole story. It's so frustrating. Um, and they're both playing each other. And it's so interesting because you, you think like, you could just see in the minds of the elders when they ask Christian like, oh, what happened to the book? And he blames it on Josh. And they, they kind of look at him like, we know that's bullshit. And exactly. Like, we know you, it's not true. <laughs> um, but it's unfortunate, but it's- and, can I ask you a question? Do you think the elders at that time knew Christians um, what what they were going to do with him? A hundred percent. Okay. Okay. Because yeah, because to me it's like what I started to see is you know which is genius the 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 star something about you know her Danny about was her. the thing right that they needed and and everything else around didn't matter. And it was like, you know, just a question of, they have a ritualistic way of doing this. So they're following this precedent. I mean, right. if they could have just slaughtered them in the beginning, that'd been cool, but that that's not following their tradition. Well, if you remember um, yeah. they, that, that, that quick shot of them walking through the laundry, like where the laundry is hanging, it shows you like this ritual for a girl, a young girl in love where she cuts her pubes and puts her period in the cup. I think Christian would have been dead a lot sooner had that redheaded teenager not picked him. Like been like- Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Um, because they were already done with Mark. Like once Mark pissed on that, <laughs> Mark was dead. It was never we're going to kill him. Um, exactly. And Josh, Josh, you know, once he broke the, the trust of flashing the book, it just really gave him an excuse. Like, okay, he's not the one to, he's not the chosen one either. Um, it was exactly. Danny always, but Christian had a chance, but the little girl, like uh, she set the tone for it. Once she put her, like wanted to get pregnant and that was her, all she needed was his seed. They were going to keep him around until that happened. And then like, we're done. Right. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's um, right. and Simon and Connie. So they, it's very, very subtle, but you do hear Connie screaming and like scream in the background because she's so pissed. They said Simon left because there's no room in the car. And she's like, no, he wouldn't leave me. And right. Danny's watching this and you can see the inner monologue. Like, well, would Christian leave me? Yeah, mm -hmm. he would. He absolutely would. But this Simon guy <laughs> won it. So right. um, it's so small and subtle, but obviously, bye-bye, Connie. Bye-bye, <laughs> Simon. Right. Sorry. Christian <laughs> also decides to write his thesis on the Harga, creating a rift between him and Josh, who accuses him of stealing his ideas. Meanwhile, Danny, already weak in a mental state, starts to deteriorate. Um, she's exacerbated by her decision to leave her supply of an anti-anxiety medication at home. Um, right. After Mark unwittingly urinates on the ancestral tree and cites the theory of the commune, he has learned away during dinner about a <laughs> member who frays interest in him. Um, you know, we don't see Mark until we see Mark. 
basically right. after that. Right. And the, this is so frustrating too. It's like no one really cares. Your friend is gone. Exactly. Like, has not come back to sleep at all. Right. Oh, must be with a girl. No, no, no. I, I don't know about you, Andre, when it comes to uh-huh. it with women. That doesn't fly with us. Bitch, I need to know where you're going to be. Text me and then I'm coming with you. You're not going to be alone with some strange man. No, that's not going to work. Right. Yeah, that, that, that's, 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 a, that's a, yeah, that, that, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's a, that's just a bad rookie move right there. Cause that just doesn't, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you have girlfriends who come to your, to your job to see who, what your secretary looks like. You know what I mean? It's exactly. Like, like, you're like, that, your secretary better look like your mama, right? Cause, cause you're just going to have grief, right? Cause she's right. like, I don't, she's like, I know you, I love you, but still, I know them better. And I need to check out everything. These are the worst friends ever, all of them. They're terrible friends to each other. Like, no one cares. They're stealing each other's ideas. They're not taking care of each other, not checking in with each other. They're the worst friends. They, I, they all deserve what, except for Danny. She's great. Um, right. But you know, the other thing, too, this is where um, when your friends are all of the same ilk, they're like, yeah. This is why you want a diverse, it's just like, I have to be careful that I don't, you know, and, and, and I'm sure it happens to you too, is we, we tend to attract the people in our profession around us. Yeah. And we exclude people that have a totally different point of view. You know what I mean? It's like, like your friend who might not have gone to college or your friend who's a doctor yeah. or in the mil- you know, when we're around our own little clique, like they are, that intellectual clique of competition i i i tend they tend to be selfish like this yeah yeah that's true that's you know what i mean and and i think they're all wanting to come back to the professor next semester and say da 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 da, da, da. so they're cutthroat you know with on, on their intellectual observance thing so i think that that um plays out plays out pretty well with them too so if, if you guys are making friends because making friends as, as an adult is hard we usually formulate our friendships when we're kids but as you're making adult friends kids ask them would you leave me at Midsommar like what like, <laughs> exactly. you, if I disappeared at Midsommar would you look for me like get to know them on a horror level and see if they're right your friendship um, would you stay for dinner? Would you continue to eat your dinner, or would you go I, and say, well, you know what, we're she's going a little too long, and that's a little bit further than the restroom. But no, I have food, so I'm just gonna stay here and eat here. and not check on my friend. Yeah, like that's that's the trust. That's the true test of an adult friendship. Um, exactly. So, so that night, Josh sneaks into the temple to take a photograph of the commune's sacred runic text which an, an elder has previously forbidden him from doing, as we talked right. about. He sees a nude man wearing Mark's skin's face and uh, is hit over the head, after which his body is dragged away. And unlike Hostel, like, we don't see Mark and Josh actually die. Like, we don't see their bodies getting mutilated and cut right. up in force. Because um, we don't, Ari doesn't need to do torture porn. Just the thought, like, you know they're gone, they're gone. Exactly, exactly. And we'll come back to it later. Right. Um, Eli Roth. Uh, the next <laughs> day, Danny is coerced into taking more psychedelic drugs and ends up winning a Maypole dancing competition, subsequently being crowned May Queen. At the same time, Christian is given more drugs. <laughs> Where are they getting these drugs? Um, before being coerced into a sex ritual designed to impregnate one of the female members, Maya, which um, 
while older naked female members watch. Um, after discovering Christian and Maya having sex, Danny has a panic attack during which the commune's younger woman, women surround her and mimic her cries. After the ritual, Christian comes up, comes to his senses and tries to run away, but he instead discovered Josh's leg planted in a flower bed and Simon's body, <laughs> which has been turned into a bald eagle in a bar. <laughs> Christian is then paralyzed by an elder. So we get Josh's leg in the in the flower bed, and that's our like that's Ari's way of saying no, he's really dead, dead. Like right, right. No coming back, like because a lot of time in horror, if you don't see the death on camera, you can just assume it's a fake death, and right? We'll be coming back to save the day, and Ari breaks that rule. He's like, nope, you're not going to see the death, and they are really gone. Like you're not going to get that satisfaction because exactly it's really, from Danny's point of view, if we're the audience and Danny is us. Um, Danny doesn't see what happens to Mark and what happens to Josh. She just knows that they're gone, that they're right. gone, and that's it. And that's scary enough. Like, right. So, <laughs> um, and Christian ends up where he should be with them very soon. So, right. commune leaders explain to Danny that to purge the commune of evil, nine human sacrifices must be offered. The first four victims are outsiders, Mark, Josh, Simon, and Connie, lured to them by Pele and Igmar, while the next four victims are commune members. The two elders sacrificed during the uh, at Tupsa, whatever, and You're the right. two volunteers from the commune in the form of Igmar and Olaf. Um, mm -hmm. As May Queen, Danny must choose either Christian or a local villager to be the ninth and final victim. She chooses right. to sacrifice Christian, who is stuffed into a disemboweled bear's body and burned alive. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And placed into a small wooden temple alongside the other sacrifices and corpses. The temple mm -hmm. is on fire, and the commune members celebrate by mimicking screams and wails of those burning alive. Danny initially sobs in horror, but gradually begins to smile with a distant look in her eye. Right. So Danny has a decision, has the power. She could have saved Christian. Right. Absolutely. Um, and she decides not to. I think for a few reasons. I, I like to pretend like Danny's escape plan, like she's not going back to America. You don't mm -hmm. go back after that. <laughs> like, because if you go back, then you have to answer questions like Josh's family. Where is Josh? I don't know. Well, right. you with him? Yep, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> so it's just easier to kill off everyone and then just be like, you know, stay in that commune and and then have the headlines on Fox News say nine beautiful white plus one Negro disappears. Eat it. <laughs> right. You know, you can just see the. <laughs> we find his off. leg. <laughs> Found his leg, or or Negro man kills friends on a trip to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all the blame none of the credit um right and that's how our movie ends no justice for josh no justice for mark who's literally just stuck there like he's just like licked and stuck on this movie he has nothing to offer this film um which right is, right that's just at least he's not a person of color character um i uh i think even connie and simon get more background in layers than mark does in this film um right that's midsommar uh josh hopefully does not have a black mama uh because if it was my mama she would torch this whole world down and before she found like to find me like she would burn everything right right oh i did want to mention too that um uh, remember when the, the the two elders uh the, you know they sacrificed them because they said they were i think what 72 or something 
Yes. Um, they they have a similar uh, ritual. Eskimos do a similar thing with with, with older uh, residents as well too. They'll they'll go out on the ice and die on the ice alone. Let them. So that there's yeah. So there there's 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 um, there's cultural and again these these are these are into those cultural um, things that are are normal to those communities, which I thought again it allowed us to it, it, it gave this so much more richness you know what i mean because it, these little things that he did um whether intentional or not it, i picked up on it I was like wow that that had that takes a you know those are cultural things that have, have happened beyond you know outside of, of sweden as well and even outside of a cult i mean you have those kind of, of places where uh, you, you have then the animal kingdom as well, too. So, I mean, know, and, and you're pointing to exotic things, but let's look at within America and our own, like, weird cultural things. Like, um, I know a lot of, in, in religious communities, um, a lot of people mm -hmm. think it's weird that we eat, like, the body of Christ and, and drink right. blood, which is obviously grape juice and crackers. Um, but right. that's a thing that a lot of people... Uh, Welsh is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that that, that that may be foreign to some people or like if you're right. Muslim and you're and your friends are eating pork you're kind of like how can you do that it's the dirtiest animal on the planet you know so right. the, culturally we all have things that we would be like well, what like, exactly <laughs> um but you know it, it, it happens and this movie right. I so enjoy like this was a much more rich conversation than I thought we'd have with Josh I was a little worried mm. I was like Oh, there's only Josh and now and now Simon, and they really don't have that much layers to him. But there is so many rich layers to Josh and Simon. It's just very subtle. I don't know yeah. if because we're black and we're finding them, or if Ari right. actually intended to do them, but they're there. Exactly. So intended or not is great because they are there, and I it puts a nice little lens because it also gives. I mean you know, me and you could talk about this for hours because then it also opens up the African-American and the, the, uh, the African-British dynamic because there's sometimes where those clash and it's, it's like, it's like to me, it, it felt like Simon and Josh were used to being the only blacks in their environment. Correct. And then when those two, now those two meet, what do you do? Either a lot of, sometimes you hug or sometimes you just keep your space. Exactly. Sometimes you just, <laughs> all right, well, he's here and that's it. Like, I guess I'm black people now, but we're both individualistic, so. Right. You remember, remember in Jordan Peele's movie, remember when, when, the, when, when, the, uh, when the character came up and he met the other black guy that was there and he tried to give him like the little dap? Yeah, and, and he's like, he, he's he's like, like what? He doesn't know how to dap? Exactly. So it's like, okay, I'm always, I'm the only Negro, so I don't need to go through this dapping thing. But now there's another one here. It's like, okay, I'm challenged for my Negrodom. Exactly. And like, how do we do that? Sometimes and we embrace. Tell that Simon is like, at least on the surface, so much cooler than Josh. Like, he just has a yeah. swagger to him. He doesn't look like these two would be friends outside of. But yeah, so to, to me, it's like, Josh would have a difficult time attracting dates. Right. Unless they're inspired by his intellect, Simon. Simon, he he he's like, yo, man. He he he's that cat that you want to hang out with. He'll he'll go to the the reggae festival with you. He'll go to rock and roll festival. He'll go anywhere, and he he's at the energy that brings people in. 
and and Josh has that kind of exclusion there. You know, he's a, a more of an introvert. It's the snobby and intellectual thing where it's like, if you're not as smart as me, I don't even want to have a dialogue with you if you can't exactly anything. And I feel like Connie <laughs> and Simon would do like keg stands. If exactly. Itself. Fun. That looks like fun. I'm down for Connie and Simon. I can tell because all the fun people know when it's not a good time, we're going to get out. And once people start jumping off cliffs, it's not a good time, dude. What are the vibes here? What are Exactly. Like, we got to go. <laughs> Simon and Connie have, have, to me, is like, they know, you know, they're... They, they know the sound of an AK-47. You know what I mean? They don't know what a, a bullet sounds like. Where Josh would be like, what was that sound? And then they're, too, they're, they're on the ground. Like, you better duck, fool, because, yeah. you know, yeah, we're smart, but we're not dumb to the world. <laughs> I can imagine, like, I'm just envisioning, obviously, Josh and them come from a really good upbringing because they go into a good school. I feel like, right. like the, the guy who brought Connie and Simon just met them in a pub one day, like, Damn, if they had to struggle. I just imagine Connie like dealing with racism and sexism just to right. make Sweden just to be murdered by <laughs> Yeah, and that messed up. Go through all that shit just to die. Yeah, yeah it's just sucks. Like, right. <laughs> it just, and, and that's what I like I like about the movie is is that um, you know, and even at the end where, you know, she had a decision, you know, she could have went left or she could have went right. And you would have thought, well, you know. There was love, but but I think it lose back to what you said in the beginning. I don't even think she was necessarily attracted to Christian from the beginning from a sense of pure love as opposed to a sense of she's in trauma and she and she and she doesn't want to be by herself yeah and she- and that and and then he gave her no indication of the reverse for her. Yeah, that's you know, it's, it's it's like you're with someone, and and you know, even though you shit on them in the day, but you know they got your back. You're like, damn, why did I miss over Andre? He, he's always there. I yell at him all the time, but he just he's like, all right, let's go. And you're just like, ugh. But that, but there's a love there, and I think that that at the end truly just showed that you know, he's like, she would have been open for it, but it still wasn't there. I mean, Christian forgot yeah. her birthday. Like, exactly. and then tried to do some bullshit candle lighting. Like Simon, like it would never have done that to Connie. That's the the whole juxtaposition between Simon and Connie and Christian. And exactly. It's like so rich. Had I, if the tables were turned, I wish it, like you said, um, with like only having one woman on the trip, I wish it would have been Josh who maybe had brought his girlfriend and maybe we would have saw the the layers between like the the mirror between them, like Josh and his girlfriend and Danny and, and Christian, but right, right. The movie's already made, so like that's just- <laughs> exactly. Um, but out of, I really enjoy this film. It's something I can watch. I might even watch it again today, even after this conversation, because I'm oh, just, cool, okay. Stimulating. Like I really want to like dive deep into Connie and Simon and Josh a little more. Um, but this is a great movie, and um, I'm so grateful that we had you on and we were able to talk about it. Oh, thank um, you. I want the people to be able to find you, though. So, so where can we find you? Like, what do you have to plug so we can search for you? Oh, man, I'm not really a plugger. I, I'm <laughs> sort of, like, up on my hill trying to get my horror thing down, so I've been kind of, like, under the radar. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm at Andre Barnwell on Twitter. That's probably the best way. Okay. kind of reach me um because i'm i'm in i'm literally in that zone of trying to just not be too too out in the radar 
I got I'm just kind of, you know what I mean? So I'm like in that little place. But but they, yeah, that's my my at at Andre Barnwell Twitter. That's that's usually the best way to to kind of grab me. Okay, cool. Um, so that's the end of our Midsommar conversation. Is there any final thoughts you have about the film that you just want to leave out there for the audience? Uh, yes. Um, what the, I, the, the, this formula of what, what I call the, you know, the, 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 the low budget. And when I use the word low budget, it's, I'm not using low budget in a negative sense. I'm using yeah. low budget in a sense that it forces us as artists to focus on this genre that that tends to take us somewhere and keeps us in a refined area so that we can really peel the onion back. I, I think um, that is so important for us in what we do. Um, I I applaud independents like the, like Ari doing this because we need more stories to the table. And so just to, for all those people who are listening, you know, everybody's got, I mean, who would have thought before this movie was made that you could take, you know, in America, take some people to Sweden, have them walking around a pole, you know, having someone thrown in a bear and die and burn up. And it would go be a $9 million movie and at least get a $50 million return. So I just encourage everyone to tell these stories, you know, push them through. You got examples like this. I'm looking forward to his other things because we also have to support each other and support Afro Hara and, and support these podcasts because these are great uh, and thank you for allowing me to come here because this is a great template. It's it's a great place to have this exchange. I'm, I'm, I feel I'm just revved up. I'm ready to go now. You got me amped again. This is so great. So that that's what I would say, folks. To hang in there. You know, um, independent movies are a part of the collective new stories, different kind of stories. I think this is what we our challenge is going to be when we come out of COVID. It's to continue to give people you know, stories and continue to give people some escapism, take them somewhere like me. He took us, he took me to Sweden. Um, you know, I've never been there before and I wouldn't want to go in this exact mode, but it was entertaining. Uh, I enjoyed it. He, he made me think a little differently. It was a breath of fresh air and we just need to uh, just continue to do these kinds of things. That's, that's what I love about this genre is because we're able to, to pull it off and as you can see by the response, consumers and viewers are are hungry for it, you know, and, and let's continue to go for it. Or as well, no matter what. There'll be a time for comedies, a time for dramas, a time for action, a time for holiday movies, but consistently when you open up a horror film, the, the fan base is so loyal, we're showing up. We're exactly. Um, exactly. I think what you said is also a good point too. Like we've been doing Afro horror for a year now, just kind of talking into the void and we've, we've doubled our viewership, our listenership um, through the Black Lives Matter protests because um, people are trying to actually learn now and, and learn that the world you see out of your eyes may look different than the world that Andre and I see. Um, exactly. And it's the same world, but we're seeing different things that you're not seeing. So. If you're listening to this podcast and you've seen Midsommar and you didn't notice some of these things, I hope you do watch it again. And maybe with this podcast in mind, try to see it from a Josh point of view or a Simon point of view, or even a Connie point of view to go, how is this different for the people of color in the film? Like, what are they seeing? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, you guys, that makes, that ends another month of horror discussion at Afro Horror Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at at afro horror pod same thing on instagram and our facebook um we're doing a once a month uh 
you know, episodes now so we can give you quality content. And we spent almost nearly two hours talking about this. That's why I want to do once a month so I can give you nice, okay. long, robust episodes <laughs> that you can just be enriched in. Um, Andre, we have more episodes. You have the schedule. Feel free to pick another. It was such a pleasure having you on. Really enjoyed this conversation. Um, everyone else, you know, listen, you, you're listening right now or you're listening, but spread the word, hashtag Afro Horror Podcast. Come talk to us on our Twitter. We love engaging, um, but let people know that we're here. Um, and the, this is officially the one year anniversary of Midsommar. So congratulations, Ari Aster. We're really looking forward to see what you do with your career. Um, I know you're gonna knock it out of the park. Um, thank you so much, Andre, again, for coming, for being on the you show. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. This is great. And yes, tell everybody, this is the kind of forum that keeps, it, keeps things going, keeps things exciting. This is great. Thank you for having this kind of a platform. This is so cool. And yes, I would love to come back and talk about something else. Cause this is great. This is, this is where, it, you know, people say this is not work. This is when it's not work. You know what I mean? This yeah. is like, <laughs> it, 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 you know, we're just sitting around, we, you know, we're not at the coffee house, unfortunately, because of things are happening, but man, this is so, boy, I just, this is, you get a different kind of high, right? This is a natural high on the things that we love. This is great. Thank you so much. I call the kitchen table talk. Like this is how we would talk again if we were at dinner or we we're on other <laughs> Exactly. Um, it's just, you guys are getting to hear it. And when I say you guys, non-Black people, this is the conversations we've had for years in the horror space. Just like, girl, did you see how they portrayed us in that movie, in this movie? So all of our episodes come from that kitchen table talk space where it's like, it's just me and my friends talking about our represent how we're represented in the films that we love and that we enjoyed and what's missing and what we would have done different and that's really how education gets spread it, it's in exactly. the conversation so i'm gonna sign us out andre but stick around because i want to say a proper goodbye to you everyone okay. um COVID is real wear your mask stay inside we're, we're so grateful to have you as listeners and we'll see you next month Thank you for listening to this episode of Afro Horror. Please subscribe and leave a comment if you like what you heard. We want to send a special shout out to Jaren Hemphill for our amazing logo design. Thanks, Jaren. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at, at @AfroHorror or on our website, www.AfroHorror.com. No copyright infringement was intended while recording this podcast.